Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Hope Builders. Let's go ahead and begin our class today with prayer and ask God's blessing on our class today. Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we worship you and thank you for who you are and what you're doing. Thank you for this class and uh, just the flexibility that they've had uh, through this transition. And Lord, uh, we look forward to next week going back to Bruder. But God, I pray that you would just be honored and glorified by all that's said and done. May we be truly disciple makers and may we be disciples ourselves. And Lord, I pray your blessing upon Judd and his ministry. And I, I ask, Lord, that you would just help us to have a, a vision for how you can use us where we are or where we may go. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's read our verse together today. If you would, join with me. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the word of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We're coming into our lesson today. This is the last lesson uh, through this six-week series that the church asked us to do to coincide with what was being taught uh, from the, uh, the main service, and Matt did a great job this morning. And I hope that if you did get a chance to hear that, it'll help to bring some additional context and information needed uh, for this lesson. We're talking about Aquila, Priscilla, and Apollos today. And... Um, When we begin this lesson, they were designed together, that God used them together to work and serve for the kingdom. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, named, uh, a native of Pontus, who had recently uh, came, uh, come from Italy and his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed to Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he he had his hair cut off at Centuria because of a vow he had taken. Now, so here's the thing. Why would Paul spend his time working as a tent maker? He went, if you go through this passage in Acts, he decided to go with uh, and he met Priscilla and Aquila, who were tent makers, and worked with them. Now, Paul is one of the greatest evangelist church planners in the history of the church, if not the greatest, is now coming to this place, and he starts, he meets up with them and starts planning, or, or being a tent maker. Did this for a while. Why would he do that? Pardon? You've got to be with the people. got to be with the people. What else? He likes to eat. He likes to eat. <laughs> in other words, Paul often has said in Scripture that he didn't want to have to be dependent on the churches to financially meet his needs. So he was a, a basically uh, bivocational. Somebody else had a yellow. No? Okay. He was bivocational. Okay. And because of that, why is bivocational ministry at times necessary? In fact, many church planners, many church leaders today are bivocational. Why is that? Because of the needs that they have to be able to provide that. Why else? It puts you in touch with people that wouldn't normally come.
Sure, a lot of them are doing it because they also want to be in community. You you will be in touch with people that you would never meet otherwise. Why else? Yeah. Because sometimes churches plant, they can't support them. Yeah. As a church planner, many of the times the church can't support them. And there's not enough churches out there supporting today to make all that happen. How does this impact the need for church members to use their gifts for ministry and outreach? So if the pastor is bivocational, okay? I'm bivocational, uh, though I'm not paid by the church. I'm just a volunteer like you are. We're in ministry together. We're serving together. How does that impact when, it, when the people know that their, their pastor is also working? How does that affect them and their understanding? How do we understand our role as being involved in ministry? It, it helps if the people see that, you know, hey, he's just like us. He struggles. He doesn't have the easiest thing. He has to work in order to survive. It gives him a more of a relatable experience. Okay, so he, he's more relatable than his experience with the, the lay people of the church. How else? He set the example for them. Yeah. Sure. Now, he, he, he's setting an example of what, though? Good stewardship. Okay, good stewardship. But what in particular? What is he being a good steward of? And it, his time and his talents. What's he doing though? He's working and doing what at the same time? He's sharing the gospel, building the church ministry. Now, so in other words, if, if the pastor being bivocational, You share it all the time. It's, but it's not just the pastor. See, but sometimes, again, people think the religious guy, the person who's preaching, he, he can have a job too. But, well, that's not my giftedness. No, 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 no. All of us, every one of us in this room, there's no one in here that isn't supposed to be involved in ministry. The question of the day is, what's yours? How are you using your gifts to build the kingdom? Okay, that's what we, we're, we're here for. What is necessary for a husband and wife to work together successfully? So here you have Aquila and Priscilla serving together as tent makers. Okay, so I want to get practical today. That's what this in small groups is about. What does it say about their relationship? They have a common goal. They have a common goal. They must communicate with each other well. What else? Yeah, Don? They have confidence in one another. They have confidence in one another. What relationship skills are required? We talked, we mentioned communication. What else? Patience. What skills? Patience. Patience. Love. What? Love. 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 Unconditional love. Respect. Listen. You listen. Yeah. Trust. Trust. You think about it. You're working together. You're you're twenty four seven together. And you know sometimes in relationships that strains it. Okay. You you know it's like man this is great I can't wait you know until we go back to work. <laughs> but yeah, Sandy. Um, I would guess. 
murders in the books, so to speak, you know, and did the PR part and kept the uh, stuff organized while he did the actual, you know, electric and stuff. Hey, honey, come here and hold this pole for me for a second. You know, whatever. But, <laughs> just like the body of Christ, you know. They, they, they had their own responsibilities. Exactly. Yeah, right. And so they weren't in competition with each other. They were serving together with, with unity. Okay, there's no mention of children. How did this impact their ministry? Pardon? Yeah, probably freed them up. Paul, in fact, admonished. He says, I you know, hope that you would like me, you know, but it's better to marry than to burn. So if you, but if you can't stay, you're, you're more focused. But here's a couple who got married that may not have had children because there's no mention of them having children in history, church history even. So they were flexible to leave and to go as needed. They didn't have the responsibility. Every layer of that makes it more responsible. But that doesn't mean in all of this that, see, husbands and wives can serve together. And they can use their gifts together in ministry. It doesn't have to be a one and done. So now we get uh, Aquila and Priscilla meet and minister to Apollos. Acts 18, 24 to 26 says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. Okay? He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. He spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John, John the Baptist. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard them, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately or accurately, depending on the translation. Okay? So Apollos was a Jewish believer, came to Ephesus, Turkey, to preach the accurate truths about Jesus. Okay? And that's what he was doing. However, regarding baptism, he was only aware of the baptism of John the Baptist. Okay? In other words, he hadn't heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of, of Christ, the baptism that one has when they become followers of Jesus, not just baptism for repentance. It was, it was believer's baptism. Okay? He taught about Jesus correctly from the scriptures. Can God use people who don't know all the answers from scripture? Yes. Yes. Now, the question of the day that you have to ask yourself is, do I ever feel inadequate to minister because I don't have all the answers. Yes. And I think this passage here today, one, and I want to communicate with you, you don't have to know it all to still minister. Okay? The Lord is going to be able to take care of all those kinds of details. And you know what? Over my 36 years of teaching at Liberty, I guarantee you, I didn't always communicate everything factually, accurately, perfectly. I guarantee you, I have no clue what that might be. <laughs> Absolutely. Our job is to communicate the gospel, to communicate the word, let the Holy Spirit use that word then to help them to be discipled. And to use it to bring them to Christ. So God uses it. And God uses us in that same way. Is baptism important? Yes. Why? 
Why would this be an important issue that they needed to address with them? Because it's a public identification with the Lord. It's a public identification with the Lord. It's not just a baptism of repentance, but it's a baptism connecting them to the Lord himself. And, the, and, and at this time also, God was using this to identify as the believers. And I think it's extremely important. Okay. I look at it as, if, if, if I don't have one as an illustration today, but if, if I had a glove. If think of me as having this hand up with a glove on. Okay, The glove is not my hand. The glove is not salvation. Baptism doesn't save you. But it's a picture of salvation. It is the image of salvation. When a person goes under the water, it's a symbol of them dying to themselves. And when they come up out of the water, it is a symbol of having a brand new life in Jesus Christ. So it's recognizing themselves. I have repented. I have denied myself. I've taken up my cross. I'm following the Lord. I've died in me. And I want to follow him. And that's why it's so important to understand that. So Aquila and Priscilla invited Apollos to their home. And they taught Apollos the way of God more adequately. They taught him about Christian baptism, etc. Most translations add Priscilla's name first. The King James Version adds Aquila's name first. But regardless, whether it's Aquila and Priscilla or Priscilla and Aquila, both of them were actively involved, as Matt adequately brought out this morning, in the teaching of Apollos. Both of them were involved. Typically, the first person named was the primary teacher as well. And that's important to understand. Now, again, I'm not going to get into the King James um, and the, you know, the newer translation, the Alexandrian text and things like that. We've done that before. So I don't want to necessarily take the time to go into that now. But regardless, does this contradict Paul's teaching in 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 15? Which is this. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was, first, uh, was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness and propriety. And, uh, I say, okay, wait a minute, Paul. A woman is to not teach. She's to be quiet. She's not to teach a man. But here we have Aquila and Priscilla teaching a man. So the, one of the things that you do is that in an in interpretation of Scripture is you, you never take a creed and doctrine off of one verse. You've got to take the entire counsel of Scripture. Okay? Just the same way as we talked last week, Paul said, you know, here's the, you know, this is the new rule. You don't even need offered idols. And yet in Romans 14, he said, I know nothing is unclean of itself. It's no big deal. If you feel like eating meat, go for it. If you don't, you don't. In other words, their theology was affected by their situation. And at this time when Paul was dealing with, interestingly enough though, it was, uh, this was at the same, it was just happening in Ephesus exactly when he wrote Timothy. So you have this taking place at the same location, but they were, they were dealing with false teaching at this time. When Paul wrote to Timothy, they were dealing with false teaching. If you go through the book of 1 Timothy, he was having to address false, false teaching. 
And they were dealing with this issue within the church at this time. And so I think what we have to do is you have to go, okay, wait a minute now. In this situation, Paul is directly addressing this issue. And says women are to stay silent in the churches. He didn't address that also. Be, be silent here. Okay? In other words, don't have authority over man in this situation. Because of the false teaching that was happening. All right? When Priscilla and Aquila took him to their home, okay, later, if you if you listen this morning with that, later their house became a church. This does not necessarily mean that there was a house church in there at that same time meeting as a church. They did this privately with him. Priscilla was always under the authority of her husband. And it's appropriate for women under the authority of her husband to do so. Okay? And so I think that is appropriate to take into consideration here. Okay? This takes place in Ephesus, the same place Timothy was serving when Paul uh, wrote him in 1 Timothy. What's changed? They were theologically dealing with a, not, they, they weren't dealing with false teaching at this time. Now they were dealing with just an issue of Apollos coming in, teaching accurately, and they needed to be corrected. And Paul permitted it. Paul permitted this to take place. Was Priscilla involved in teaching Apollos? Yes. Can God use women to teach men? Yes, within a correct biblical context. And I think you don't throw out theology, though. You don't throw out the Bible and say, well, you know, um, uh, women can become pastors of churches because this, and, you know, there's neither male nor female. No, I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. Because there are roles in the church, there's positions in the church, and there's positions in the home. The husband is under the authority of Christ, like Christ is under the authority of, of, of God, the Father. Wives are under the submission of their husbands in all things. And women and men are both under the submission of the pastor in a local church. That's why at Thomas Road, even Dr. Falwell, senior, had women come and teach from the pulpit times. They often, because they didn't want to tick anybody off and get anybody upset, would stand in front of the, the pulpit, not stand behind the pulpit, and would teach. And they would use that as, a, as an opportunity because they didn't want to offend anybody. And obviously that's not what we want to do here as well. So the bottom line is, God historically in the Bible used women to teach men. And that can still take place to this day. Under the proper authority of the church and the home. Okay? Now, is that controversial? Yes. Does everybody agree with that? Yes. But what did Jesus call for in the church? Unity. We may not always agree on all the details, but ultimately, should we not agree that people's theology should be right and that the gospel should be communicated? Yes or no? Yes. So let's focus on that, that principle. So when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the, the Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that the Jesus was the Messiah. Now again, where do we get our theology from? Do we get it from our feelings? Do we get it from social gatherings and just, what's your opinion of this passage? No. Where do we get our theology from? From scripture. 
and accurately looking at scripture. So that's what we do. Second Timothy 2.15. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we look at this passage. Now, what did he say? Why was Paul, why did, would Apollos want to leave them? Why would Paul want to leave them? He wanted to spread the gospel. He wasn't comfortable. Just, oh, Paul's there. I mean, they don't, Cool and Priscilla are there. They don't need me any longer. I'm moving on. They got, they got me accurate on the truth of the scripture, of what that's happened about baptism, etc. They wrote a letter to the disciples again and to welcome him. Why was that necessary? For credibility. They wrote this letter, and it says he was a great help to the disciples there. He vigorously refuted his opponents in public debate. What was the debate about? What was it? Whether Jesus was the Messiah. How did he prove his point? What does it say? From the scriptures. So he's debating from the scriptures, refuting that Jesus is the Messiah. Okay? What does this tell us about Christian ministry? It tells us that at times, public debate is necessary. But we have to know the scriptures to do it adequately. And the question I leave you with today is this. Are you pre prepared to provide apologetic support for Jesus as the Messiah? What is needed for this to be accomplished? I think number one, we have to know the questions people are asking. And when you're out there, you will, it, you will be confronted at times. And it's okay. You're going to be confronted with questions that you don't have the answer to. Do you throw up your hands and say, I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. I was frustrated because I didn't know the answer. No. It should drive you back to what? The scriptures. What? To find the answer. You get back. See, that's what God does. When you're uncomfortable... And share your faith. You're asked questions you don't know the answer to. We go back to that and go, I need to learn it. I need to do this. I need to get back and study. So we find out the questions people are asking that are relevant today of why they don't want to come to Jesus. Just ask the question. Can I ask you a question? Why, why don't you want to become a follower of Christ? Just ask the question. What, what don't you understand? Don't be afraid of questions. And you don't have to know the answers. You go, you know what? That's a great question, and I don't have the answer to it, but I'll find out for you. And you come back to them with the response. So you're learning together, and then after time, it just gets easier. Because you know how what the questions they're going to ask before they even ask them. And then you already know the answer to what they're going to answer, you know, ask. The biggest thing, though, is we don't get arrogant and cocky. But we are always dependent on the Holy Spirit of the Lord. Always dependent. Every day. Every phase of your life. Every phase of your life. It doesn't matter whether it's spiritual life or business life or personal life. You don't have to find the answer. Absolutely. It'll, it'll increase your standing not only with God, but it'll increase your standing with your peers in 
real world. Absolutely. And you do so lovingly and respectfully. First Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. And always be prepared to give an answer for the faith that's within you. But do so with gentleness and respect. Let's pray. Father, I pray that today um, that you would help us to put into practice your word. To not just be hearers, but doers of it. Lord, I, I thank you so much. Um, the Hassan's people who are here, bless their ministry. God, I pray your blessing on each person that's taken time out of their busy lives to be here. But Lord, help us as we transition back to Bruner. Help us to be reminded that it's not about the place. But it's about the people. And the ministry and outreach of this church. God, may we continue to be blessed, to be used by you, to be disciple makers. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all. Have a great week.